stopped at a patch of moss the other day, went out for a walk in the woods, just to pat gently atop its soft green lumps. Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark, and this episode was written by Joe Horn. When I'm not swooning over wildflowers, taking in the greatness of trees, or transfixed by tide pools, I do occasionally have to work. These days, that mostly looks like carpentry, and as any carpenter will tell you, often carpentry looks like moving things around a job site, be that for setting up, breaking down, or reorganizing materials. One of the joys of moving things around outdoors is getting to meet all the little creatures that call our piles of dimensional stock home before we get a chance to use it. I was doing exactly this about a month back with my coworker when we hefted a sheet of plywood that had been left on a forested edge long enough for a fine mat of roots to partially adhere it to the ground. Once lifted, millipedes went scattering, a salamander scuttled off, and what remained were two small, legless reptiles that at this time of the year are giving birth to live young, red-bellied snakes. Red-bellied snakes are very small snakes, measuring just 8 to 10 inches long at full maturity. Their range is quite expansive, from Florida all the way up to Nova Scotia and over to North Dakota. They tend to live in areas with somewhat abundant moisture, though this is likely more to do with the abundance of their main prey, slugs, snails, and worms, more than any real preference for these moisture levels. So this often means living under logs, scraps of wood, leaf litter, and in rock walls adjacent to gardens, creeks, or bottomlands. Despite their diminutive stature, they are one of the more cold-tolerant snakes, as is evident by their northern range. Here in Maine, red-bellied snakes are common throughout almost the entire state, with the exception of a small area in the far north. As their name suggests, red-bellied snakes do in fact have a red or orange belly, which is sharply contrasted by their tan, rust, or olive coloration along their backs. Young red-bellied snakes have a tan band across the top of their neck, while adults have three tan spots in that same location. These snakes have small heads, which are thought useful for removing snails from their shells. While snakes as a whole seem to garner some fear among folks, I have personally seen some of the toughest downeasters I know get absolutely distraught over the sight of a garter snake. Red-bellied snakes are not harmful to people and are rarely aggressive. When my carpenter buddy and I found the pair of red-bellied snakes curled up under that plywood, we were concerned they might get stepped on if left in the middle of the job site, so we carefully picked them up. They did not hiss, they did not attempt to bite us, and they barely even squirmed. They just took the ride in our gloved hands to the forested edge and slithered off into the leaf litter upon release. This gentle nature appears to be common among red-bellied snakes, as they are reported to more often play dead than anything else. And when they do get especially aggressive, they display an unusual behavior of curling back their top lip to show off their absolutely minuscule teeth, and might occasionally musk on their captors. Red-bellied snakes most often breed in the spring or early summer, though will evidently occasionally breed in the late fall. Somewhat uniquely among reptiles, the females give birth to litters of 1 to 21 live young between late July and early September. Once born, the tiny babies, often only a couple of inches long, are completely independent and get no other support from their parents. So this weekend, if you are out doing a bit of yard work, you can keep your eye out for recently born red-bellied snakes or their parents. The best places to look are under rocks and old wood where they can sit and wait for their prey to come to them. 
If you do find one, it's best to leave it be, as these peaceful native reptiles want nothing more than to help eradicate slugs and snails from your lawn and garden, making them some of the best neighbors you could hope for. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phonology. (laughs) 